Hello, Rick Ryman here. Welcome to my new series on the JFK assassination. On Background, Seeking the Hidden JFK Assassination. As befits a made-up mystery, we gain insight into the answers about the assassination by asking the right questions. Did you know that seven months before the assassination, Lee Harvey Oswald nearly assassinated a retired general in the American Army, General Edwin Walker? Did you know that Oswald shot a Dallas policeman 45 minutes after the JFK assassination, revealing an obvious flight from a crime? Did you know that Oswald posed for a picture with the rifle that shot JFK and the pistol that shot the policeman in March of that year, and his own wife admitted taking the picture? Did you know that on the morning of the assassination, Oswald carpooled to work with a heavy paper bag that he told his ride contained curtain rods? And did you know that the rifle was purchased with a mail-order form signed by Alec Heidel, and that Oswald had an ID on his person when he was arrested with the name Alec Heidel and his own picture on it? Did you know that when Oswald was captured 75 minutes after the assassination in the Texas Theater in Oak Cliff, a suburb of Dallas, that he tried to shoot another police officer, making three persons his potential victims of shots, in the 75 minutes since JFK was killed. And, most incredibly of all, did you know that some people think, against all this evidence, and a mountain of evidence more, that Oswald was innocent? Come on. Well, why should we be surprised? In the age of Trump, people believe all sorts of lies such as the lie that Trump never lies, the lie that Trump is innocent of 91 federal counts against him, and that what happened on January 6, 2021, was a peaceful protest, and that JFK Jr. will come back to life in Dealey Plaza and tell us who really shot his father. This series aims to combat the culture of lies, by showing how truth and reason are both bracing and obvious. I'll show you where to look, what the con job conspiracy theories are, and how, in the real world, we decide when we have enough evidence to pronounce a case closed and settled for all time. This time was achieved long ago in the case of the JFK assassination. No matter what psychological problems or greedy aspirations might drive con men to try to keep it going. Join me in this series on background on my YouTube channel, Demystifying Dallas. Please subscribe to all of these episodes by subscribing here on this introductory trailer, now available and upcoming. This is your host. Historian Rick Ryman. This recording is an extended introduction to a series of very short YouTube videos 
that I'm rolling out bit by bit through this year, 2024, on the JFK assassination. The purpose of this series is to reach people who may not be easily reachable through a book, for example. We hear so much that, unfortunately, wide swaths of the American people don't read anymore. There are a lot of people who think that reading is going the way of the dinosaur. I don't believe that for one instant. I think that those who read books are reading more than ever and will continue to read more than ever. But it is true that there are wide numbers of young people, 18 to 22, for example, who just won't read. And we see this in college. There's a lot of anecdotal information to this effect. I don't think there's any dispute about it. What they do a lot of is watch YouTube videos. So the purpose of this series is to present the evidence in the case of the JFK assassination to try to demystify the assassination. There's really very little mystery about what happened on November 22nd, 1963. The mystery about the JFK assassination is that there is a mystery about it. And there are a lot of reasons why people believe in conspiracies, and we don't want to get into those reasons in this particular program. But the idea is that sunlight is the best disinfectant. If people are exposed to the evidence in the case, they will see fairly quickly that there is really very little mystery about what happened, who did it, the mystery still exists on the question of why the person responsible did it. But here we enter the world of psychology and changing points of view that might change on a dime and change on a daily basis. And it's very difficult to state with absolute finality what the motives of, in this case, Lee Harvey Oswald was in committing the assassination. Now, of course, the JFK assassination has a lot of uh, strange coincidences and circumstances connected to it. And probably the strangest is the fact that 48 hours after the assassination, Lee Harvey Oswald himself was assassinated by Jack Ruby in the basement of the police station in Dallas headquarters. If I was to tell you that one of the reasons security was so lax during the transfer of Oswald from the city jail to the county jail, or the attempted transfer, was because Dallas wanted to present Oswald to the press to show that he had not been beaten up while he was in police custody during the 48 hours between the time of Oswald's arrest on Friday, November 22nd, and the attempted transfer on November 24th. So, yes, the Dallas police were irresponsible. Yes, they had ulterior motives in the transfer. But everybody who writes conspiracy books seems to assume that the ulterior motives has to be something involved in a conspiracy to assassinate President Kennedy. If there was a conspiracy by the Dallas police on November 24th, it was simply to prove that they had not beaten up Oswald in the preceding 48 hours. They were derelict in their duty. They didn't make sure that oddballs like Ruby didn't appear uh, 
during the transfer. But now we're getting into the weeds of the assassination, and that's not the purpose of this recording. Again, the purpose of this recording is to explain the nature and reasons for this YouTube series, the series of videos that I envision, which I will be hosting, is a series of four to five minute videos each, which deal with a different cross-section of the questions involving the assassination. Clearly, one of the cross-sections is the issue of evidence. What constitutes evidence in the case? How much evidence is enough to convince people that someone did it, which is the primary question in a jury trial? A jury trial is not designed particularly to determine motive. You don't have to show a motive in order to convict a defendant in a jury trial. You have to present sufficient evidence to demonstrate beyond a reasonable doubt that the crime has been committed and it's been committed by the defendant. And the rules of evidence are designed in a jury trial to provide the defendant as many considerations as possible. In fact, a jury trial is not so much a search for the truth, or at least the people who participate in a jury trial are not really trying to determine the truth. In the case of the prosecution, they're trying to assemble enough evidence to demonstrate beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant committed the crime. And in the case of the defense, they're not interested in the truth, especially if their client is guilty. They're interested in proving that the defense, proving that the prosecution has not made its case. So a lot of uh, the, the, the circumstances concerning a jury trial are really not germane or particularly helpful to the question of determining the truth about the assassination. And of course, this video series, like all the books written about the assassination, are oriented to the question of what really happened, the question of the truth. Now, this is very interesting because what it tells me is, for example, if there had been a trial of Lee Harvey Oswald, it would have been more difficult to get at the truth of the assassination than what we had, which was unfortunately a result of the fact that Oswald was denied a trial. And in that case, we had a fact-finding commission whose only concern was to demonstrate or find the truth, and after finding it, to demonstrate it. And so there were a lot of advantages the, the Warren Commission had in the search for truth that a jury trial would never have had. Uh, in terms of the search for truth, it was almost fortunate that Oswald was not given a trial because, for example, uh, Marina would never have testified. Oswald himself might not have testified. And there would have been a lot of evidence which would have been inadmissible in a court. And it's very, very possible to argue that because Oswald was denied his right to a trial because he was killed, that the case against Oswald uh, would have been less powerful had he lived than what it was with the Warren Commission, which had access 
to more information, such as Marina Oswald's testimony. And so that's a peculiar argument, though, if your main concern is a concern for the search for truth. Because in the case of the Warren Commission, the Warren Commissioners and the staff, who were all lawyers, because they were politicians in the case of the commissioners, or great men in their respective professions, or in the case of the staff, uh, top-notch lawyers, they were people who were not accustomed to examining the sole question of truth. They were, in some cases, members of defense, in some cases, members of the prosecutions in various venues. But in the case of the Warren Commission, they were interested in the truth. As As Chief Justice Warren said, the truth is your only client. So, Uh, That was the ideal for the Warren Commission. Now, of course, the Warren Commission didn't have a whole lot of time to do its investigation. Uh, There is no government investigation in history that has ever had enough time to do its work fully, if by fully you mean to exhaust all possible avenues to determining the truth. And the Warren Commission was no exception in that regard. It It had a political deadline, It had to complete its work before the presidential election of 1964. And that was a tight deadline for sure. And there is no doubt that the Warren Commission did not track all the questions and answer all the questions that should have been answered in the course of its investigation. Was there FBI involvement? Did the CIA know more? Well, the answer we now know is yes. And both the FBI and the CIA withheld information from the Warren Commission. Now, there's a debate on whether the Warren Commission should be blamed for that. And it's my judgment that they really should not because it was really impossible for them to pry secrets from the FBI and the CIA that they didn't even know existed. So that's a pretty tough task to place on an investigation that was bounded by a time restraint of about nine months. But here's the point. There have been subsequent investigations. I'm making this recording not in 1965, but in 2024. And after all these years, we've had reinvestigations to a fairly well And these reinvestigations have demonstrated beyond doubt that the Warren Commission's findings were correct, even though the Warren Commission made mistakes and even though evidence was withheld from the Warren Commission for the simple reason that that evidence has since been reviewed from top to bottom, from east to west, from left to right, and in every possible degree of thoroughness. Documents have been released so that about 99% of the documents connected to the assassination have already been released. And 100% of the documents have been examined by the Assassination Records Review Board in the 1990s, composed of esteemed individuals who were not government officials, but historians and other reliable critics and analysts. So, so that it is impossible to state that the 
JFK assassination remains mysterious unless you trust nobody. And I think I would quote Judge Burt Griffin on the question of how to determine what is truth. Judge Griffin says that we should always be skeptical of what the government tells us. And we should always examine and re-examine the conclusions of government investigations. And that's what we've had over the last 60 years. Consistent examinations and re-examinations by writers from all different walks of life, most of whom have not been in the government, some of whom have, but many of whom have been on the side of ideology that is quite critical of government secrecy. And so there are many, many reasons why we can trust the accumulated determination by numerous investigations that have wound up confirming the essential findings of the Warren Commission. But if we go back to the issue of these YouTube videos, they are short in, each one is short in length so as not to lose the attention span of the student who views them. But each one is on a different subject. The first series of about 10 very brief videos consists of discussions of the evidence and how the evidence has emerged over time and how it has become more and more clear what the evidence tells us. Also, these videos deal with the question of how much evidence do we know to make a tentative decision and why a tentative decision is all we can ever make about any question involving science. But we also need to discuss the question, but we also discuss the question of why a tentative decision is more powerful than it sounds. When we say a tentative decision, we're using tentative in the same way that we speak of the evidence in favor of, say, gravity. Gravity is a scientific concept, which is still called a theory. Nobody disputes that gravity is real, but it's still called a theory because the nature of gravity is always subject to some dispute on the margins, but not at the core. And this is the kind of truth we have finally reached with the JFK assassination. Truth in which there are some doubts on the margins, but none concerning the core. And that's what we need to live by. We need to know what the core tells us. And we have the answers now. We've had many of them long before now, but we have almost all of them now, especially, and we definitely have the main question at the core of the JFK assassination, who did it and how? The question of why is a question that bedevils historians and also readers, and it is clear that this is one question that has reason to bedevil people. There's a reason why it bedevils people. Because if you can't explain why, you don't have a smoking gun, in essence, of why the assassination was logical. You may have all the evidence in the world as to who did it and how. 
and why we know this. And I think that's where we're at right now. But people still want to know why. Knowing why seems to be a smoking gun to some, a smoking gun that's necessary. But in fact, knowing why is not a smoking gun. It's more like a cherry on top. We like to have it. It makes us feel supremely comfortable as to the outcome of this story, but it is really not necessary to the question, the main questions of the JFK assassination, which is who did it and how, and of course, whether they had any assistance. This floating question of conspiracy is another question that has some of the features of unanswerability, because it's very difficult to prove a negative, to prove that something didn't happen. Think about that. How hard is it to prove that something didn't happen? Now, sometimes you can do that. You can prove if somebody was not at a particular location at a particular time, if they have an alibi. An alibi is an example of being able to prove that something didn't happen, namely that someone was not at the scene of the crime and therefore could not have committed the crime. So it is not true that you can never prove a negative, but it is one of the more difficult questions to answer. And it is subject to distortion and confabulation and confusion that need not be there. So some of these videos will also deal with the question of motive. And we have a clearer idea all the time of Lee Harvey Oswald's motivation, possible motivation, or possible motivations, because someone can have more than one motive for a crime. But whether we will know exactly which one we can isolate as the most important motivation may be impossible to ever know, but it's also quite unnecessary to know. We'll say more about this series in our next extended trailer. Listen for that on Audibly Speaking. This is your host, Rick Ryman, thanking you for listening.